Well, good morning. Thank you, Gavin, uh, for leading. Uh, as Gavin said, this morning we are in Second uh, John. Um, it's on page 1025, if you've got a, a church Bible. 1025. I don't think uh, John is, uh, Second John is one of the most well-read letters in the Bible. Basically, uh, John uh, 1, 2, and 3, they're all, he's writing into the, the same situation, um, in a sense. He's writing to a congregation who have become divided over what is true, what is biblical truth. And in the end, this has led to a, a split in the congregation, a congregational split over biblical truth. That's something that a lot of you um, and a lot of us have experienced in our time. Uh, and so you'll know that this can be a, a painful time. It requires recovery and, and healing. And that's a big part of what John is, is providing. So let's read it. Second John. The elder to the elect lady and her children, whom I love in the truth. And not only I, but also all who know the truth because of the truth that abides in us and will be with us forever. Grace, mercy, and peace will be with us from God the Father and from Jesus Christ, the Father's Son, in truth and love. I rejoiced greatly to find some of, you, uh, some of your, your children walking in the truth, just as we were commanded by the Father. And now I ask you, dear lady, not as though I were uh, writing you a new commandment, but the one we have had from the beginning, that we love one another. And this is love, that we walk according to his commandments. This is the commandment, just as you have heard from the beginning, so you should walk in it. For many deceivers have gone out into the world, those who do not confess the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh. Such a one is the deceiver and the antichrist. Watch yourselves so that you may not lose what we have worked for, but may win a full reward. Everyone who goes on ahead and does not abide in the teaching of Christ, does not have God. Whoever abides in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not receive him into your house or give him any greeting. For whoever greets him takes part in his wicked works. Though I have much to write to you, I would rather not use paper and ink. Instead, I hope to come to you and talk face to face, so that our joy may be complete. The children of your elect sister greet you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray before we uh, look at this together. Father, we thank you for your word, and we pray and ask for your help this morning 
Give us um, eyes to see you with. Give us ears to hear you speak to us. Soften our hearts so that we will respond rightly to who you are and what you are saying to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, I used to work with a guy whose hobby was restoring classic Mini Coopers. It's a cool hobby. And at the start of the process, when it's sat in the garage and all the pieces are, are, are all on the floor, and it's a long way from being restored to its former glory, sometimes he would come into work and he'd be really gloomy and, and downhearted. And usually it would be that the night before he just couldn't get the right piece to fit or another part went wrong or it was cold and dark and... In the end, what kept him going, kept getting up every day to, 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 to put this, this mini uh, together to restore it, was just knowing what it would be in the end. Finally enjoying the, the Mini Cooper out on the road and doing what it was made to do. Now, one of the most extraordinary things about coming to Christ is that he shows us what it means to be truly human. Turns out what a, a lot of what we see of humanity in, the, in, the, in history, but also of today, it falls short from the way uh, God made us to be. Now, we tend to focus on the negative aspect of things like our weakness, our sinfulness, how, how far we fall short from the way God made us to be. But there's also the positive aspect. Christ is at work restoring us. He's carrying us out of the, the fallen condition of fractured humanity and restoring us. Restoring us to be who God made us to be and what God made us for. This is what happens to us individually as we come to Christ and collectively. The church, if you like, is Christ's workshop where we best see humanity being restored. So how do we respond when things become difficult? When we are ourselves or, or the church that we're in just feels like it's in pieces and it's going nowhere. Take, for example, the congregation John's writing to. Uh, they've been through a division over false teaching. Uh, there's been a split in the congregation. It feels like there's been a rupture. People have left. And so there's going to be pain. There's going to be doubt. There's going to be confusion. So how do they respond? Or how should they respond? Well, they have to pick up the pieces and keep going. They need to remember that they're a work in progress. Churches is not perfect. It is a picture of restored humanity, working towards what will be in the end, a process, a process of, of Christ making true humanity as God created us to be. Now, for two Sundays, we're going to be exploring the implication of this, the implication of Christ's ongoing work restoring us and helping us to be truly human. And this morning, our, our text is uh, the letter of Second John, 
and we'll see uh, three ways he reminds his congregation what it means to be part of Christ's restoring work. Let's start with the, the cause of the difficulty in John's congregation, the false teaching John's congregation had to defend themselves from. And what we'll see is that it's, it's about more than truth. Truth about Christ and what he's doing is it's not simply an academic exercise for those who live in an ivory tower. Look to verse 7. In verse 7, John reveals that people claimed Christ didn't come in the flesh. In other words, Christ was not fully human. And this would be a big problem. It's in his being human that Christ restores our humanity. God took for himself a fully human body so he could fully restore our humanity. He had to truly be one of us and live the life we were created to live in order to restore the rest of us. If you lose Christ's humanity, you lose any hope of rescue and restoration. There's a, a really important phrase in the history of the debate about uh, Christ's humanity. What has not been assumed has not been healed. Meaning, any part of humanity Christ didn't take, then he can't, he can't mend it. I'll say the phrase again because it's a really uh, important one. What has not been assumed has not been healed. Um, or so, someone said a bit more poetically, the good shepherd carries home on his shoulders the whole sheep, not its skin only. Christ became human, so through him we could discover who God made us to be and what he made us for. So you see this congregation, they're defending more than truth. How they participate in the very work of God's restoration uh, project of humanity depends on it. And every church today faces the same dynamic. Whoever denies the truth of the Bible raises a problem that's about more than truth. I wonder if you picked up the, the repetition of truth and love uh, in, the, in the opening verses. John says, verse 1, he loves this congregation in the truth. If you look to verse 4, we, we see that John is encouraged that the congregation uh, went to battle over the truth. He, he's glad to have found them walking in the truth. But now, verse 5, now they must love one another. Walk in truth and love. And as we follow his argument through verses 4, 5, and 6, uh, in a very typically John, John circular fashion, we see how he ties in walking in truth and love 
with walking according to God's commandments. I rejoice greatly to find some of your children walking in the truth, just as we were commanded by the Father. And now, I ask you, dear lady, not as though I were writing to you a new commandment, but the one we've had from the beginning, that we love one another. Um, Or as the NIV puts it, I think, walk in love. Uh, And this is love, that we walk according to his commandments. This is the commandment, just as you have heard from the beginning, so that you should walk in it. Obedience of God's commands is is not about trying to behave in case the the teacher tells you off. Um, I'm sure we all know what it's like when the, the teacher's left the classroom and, you know, we're desperately nervous for when they come back and we need to be behaving right at that precise moment. That's, that's not what's happening as we lay, wait for the Lord's re- return. Obedience to God is a restored humanity. The Lord will return and see people being obedient because he's restored them. Think all the way back to the, the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve... Adam and Eve were born to walk with God in the cool of the day. But the serpent got in their heads, convinced them that walking in obedience of God was not a good thing. And so as as God walked through the garden, he found them fallen in their disobedience. And the, the gospel is that Christ picks us up to walk with God again. And a big challenge for the church today is that many leaders and powerful people in the the big denominations claim that walking in obedience of God is not a good thing. However, it's expressed in a very crafty way. They attack the truth in the name of love. They claim a more progressive love over this outdated and old-fashioned teaching. Here is a new truth. Look down to verse 9. This comes out a bit clearer in the NIV, so you may have uh, missed how John contrasts those who walk obediently with those who attack the truth. Verse 9, our translations say... Everyone who goes on ahead and does not abide in the teaching of Christ. Um, But the NIV helpfully says, anyone who runs ahead. So that contrasting of walking in obedience and running ahead. Those who attack the truth, who deny it, manipulate it, however crafty, in the name of love or not, they're not walking with God. They are trying to run ahead and progress beyond the teaching of Christ. And tragically, this is a spiritual death sentence. Notice verse 9. What does it say? They don't have God. And so this letter comes with a a warning. If you go back up to verse 8, watch yourselves. Watch yourselves so that you may not lose what we have worked for but may win a full reward. Walking in obedience is the steady pace 
of godly living. And it is good. It's good. Walking in obedience to God's commands is to be walking as true humanity, to be truly human. It's a, it's a picture of what humanity will be restored, fully restored in the end. Brothers and sisters, in Christ, you are destined for glory. This is a good thing to be part of. But we're not there yet. We're a work in progress. We're full of imperfections. And that's why John gives this, this rather uh, odd instruction in verse 10. Because they need help as a congregation to stay, to stay safe and protected um, as they're being restored. They are destined for glory. They're not there yet. Let's read verse 10 again. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not receive him into your house or give him any greeting. For whoever greets him takes part in his wicked works. As I say, it seems an odd instruction. Should we ever deny someone hospitality, even if they believe something different to us? Jehovah's Witnesses, uh, you know, they're okay with Christ's humanity, I imagine. But they deny him being fully God, just as problematic. But can we not invite them in for a cup of tea? Well, of course, we need to culturally contextualize it uh, before we apply it. When Jesus would go preaching in different regions, he relied on the hospitality of those he taught. If you wanted to receive the teaching of Christ, you needed to welcome him and his disciples into your home. You needed to give them a meal for their bellies, uh, a place to get their heads down for rest, and we see in Paul's letters that he picks up this same way of working. He uh, encourages churches to support him financially, support him with hospitality, so he could come to them and he could preach to them, teach them, give them God's word, help them on their way. This is, this is how preachers worked and lived. When John was writing, I read and, and told that he was a very old man, and uh, some suggest he was the last of the apostles. Now, that means the gospel, it's growing, but so are the amount of traveling preachers with a false gospel, false teachers looking for a pulpit to peddle their lies. So what John is saying in verse 10 is that you cannot partner and support the ministry of these deceivers. That's what it would have meant back then to welcome them into your home. Okay, so remember, uh, early church, gathered for worship, we're in someone's house. And the guest preacher would have been a guest in their house. So imagine I, I invite us all over to our, our home in the, in the colonies, it would be a bit intense, be a bit crowded. 
Um, and I say, you know, we're doing worship this morning. It's amazing. Here we go. And here comes our, our preacher today. He's just got up. And he comes downstairs. And it's the last person you would expect some, one of our churches to, to employ. They don't, even, they don't even have a Bible with them, maybe. And they just tell you all these different things that are very popular from the world today and just feed them into us as a church. The Bible calls false teachers wolves. So John is saying, don't actively allow wolves in to attack the flock. Now, let's apply that to us today um, a bit more. Can we have a Jehovah's Witness in for a cup of tea? Well, yeah, you know, if you really want to. Would you partner with them by financially supporting their ministry? Well, no. And the same goes for any preacher or leader who, who doesn't encourage people to walk in obedience of God, in truth and in love. Have them round for a meal, give them a bed for the night, be genuine, genuine loving friends with them. Spend as much time with them as you like. But we're not going to get, we're not going to invite them to preach from the pulpit. We're not going to give them money to support their ministry. We're not going to re recommend their books or podcasts as being helpful uh, for growing in holiness. Because they're not invested in what Christ is doing and quite simply, can cause us harm. Edinburgh North Church was born from a very similar battle for the truth, just like John's congregation. And we've seen the, uh, this morning, you know, that this, this is about more than truth. It's more than an academic exercise that we're standing up for. Our attitude towards the truth impacts how we participate in what Christ is doing, in his work of restoring us to be truly human. It's in this light we see that walking in obedience to God's commandments is a good thing. But we constantly face things that make us question this. And it's not always um, the big voices of people teaching false things. It's, it's not always the, the things we read about or, or even the sort of the, the pressure of, of, of social situations. Sometimes we can just look out and see the world running ahead, taking part in a, a progressive love, moving on from what Christ is doing. And quite simply, we can feel like, wow, we've been left behind. Maybe we are old-fashioned. Should we continue to walk in obedience? The hot topics of the age, whatever they are, sexuality, marriage, transgenderism, abortion, the roles of men and women in the church, when you see others running ahead and progressing beyond the truth of the Bible, it can be very difficult. Tempting to swallow the lies and, and think that we need to progress. 
What is Christ doing in his restoration of us? Did he get it wrong? In, uh, in recent times at Edinburgh North Church, we've, we've found ourselves going through some very big changes. Changes where we've lost people from the congregation, we've lost the, the, the minister. And of course, you know, more cha- changes are, are, are coming up, are on the horizon when we get a new one. And all this can be so unsettling, it can get us down. And it can have us turning up on a Sunday, like my, my friend I worked with after he'd had a, a rough night restoring his classic Mini Cooper. The church is Christ's workshop where we see humanity being restored. It's, it's not always going to be fun or, or easy. We may get things wrong. We may even want to give up. But let's not assess our situation through the lens of, of how far we fall short at times, but how amazing it is that Christ picks us up, keeps on restoring us bit by bit, leading us to a full life, walking as true humanity as God made us to be. Let's be invested in and excited about what Christ is doing in us. He is alive today and his work is ongoing. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you so loved us that you sent your Son. We thank you for the the ditch that he lifted us out from. But we also thank you for where he's leading us to. We thank you that as a church, historically, we've battled for truth because we know it's about more than truth. In Christ, we were given a new birth. We were born to walk in obedience of your law, of your commandments. And through Christ, we're being restored to glory. We thank you so much, Lord, that you are with us. Stay with us, Lord. Strengthen us as a church. Keep us going. We thank you for your grace. In Jesus' name, amen.